Is it recording? Okay, now it's going. Okay. <clears throat> I'm Annalisa, and I am Casey. And we are the baddies in the basement you didn't know you needed on this journey through life and motherhood. To bring you the enlightened, raunchy, kind of stupid, and sort of magical conversation that everyone wants to have but is too scared to say out loud. So buckle up and get ready. Because it'll be fun, but it's, it's not, not perfect. perfect. You play music? Yeah, you play some music. <laughs> Can you turn the pop? You have to turn the power on, remember? The power on. That one first. I'm going to turn my mic up just a little bit, too. Nope, that's my headphones. Try again. <laughs> this one. Okay, cool. I'm Casey. I'm Annalisa. This um, is It's Not Perfect. Thanks for joining us. Um, I just got off a plane from Vegas. Yeah. And um, top three places I hate. The plane or Vegas? Both, actually. You can <laughs> make the a top, top four now. I, tr- <laughs> My body does not enjoy traveling. Mm. I just get yucky. Um, and Vegas is also very yucky. <laughs> it is, like, not the cleanest place it's on the so planet. It's so gross. Uh, Vegas, L.A., and New York, I just hate them. Maybe I just don't mm. like big, dirty I, places. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I've never been to LA. I dislike Vegas. Love New York. I, when I went and stayed with a friend there, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I would imagine I was probably drunk. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's Probably probably not valid. Not the whole time though. (laughs) I feel like I was there and I was staying with a friend that lived there and we, like he knew what to do. Yeah. So that made it okay. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I should caveat it with I, um, for whatever reason, with the program that I was in for grad school, I ended up with the opportunity to be there not often, but mm-hmm. like several times. I probably didn't like it to like the third time. Yeah. You yeah. Know? The first like, time I went to New York, I was like, I never want to come back here again. And then I got a free trip to see my friend. It was post-breakup. My mom was like, I'll buy you tickets to anywhere. Oh, And I was like, I want to see my friend. Yeah. Uh, it was a good trip. But yeah. anyway. And also, <laughs> and also, like, extra caveat. That, uh, I'm primarily referring to, like, walking from my hotel down to, like, a coffee shop. And then going for a run in Central Park. And, like, yeah. going to the Whole Foods and getting oh, a sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. going to a Broadway show and, like, mostly avoiding Times Square except to get to the show. Um, so it's probably not, like, totally fair. But but also, I don't know what this story is, but <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was at a conference for – it was, like, my last conference before um, – like switching jobs and and leaving um my research work and at the conference I was like I could go to the conference in New York or I could take the subway to, <laughs> to Brooklyn and go rock climbing 
Yep, that sounds right. In Brooklyn? Yeah, they have a Is that great a thing? rock climbing gym. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So you skipped the conference. I did, yeah. I sure did. Did you go by yourself? No, I stayed with a friend. We went to a Broadway show. I went climbing. Oh, okay. I think I did present the thing I was supposed to present. Yeah. But normally, like, network and mingle and whatever. And yeah. I did very little of that. I did some. But during the day, I was like, I mean, none of these, I don't. I'm going to go workshops. I'm going to go climb now. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So I think, I do think that if we weren't on the strip or if we had stayed in a nicer hotel, it would have been okay. Where'd you stay? The Flamingo. Classic. Right in the middle. It was awful. Um, Um. (laughs) So the only time I've been to Vegas, that's not true. I've been twice. The first time I went to Vegas um was when chris and i had known each other for like three weeks two weeks sounds like juicy and we (laughs) we it it kind of is (laughs) we were we had like just started dating and he's like yeah i like never go anywhere on spring break and i was like yeah i've always wanted to but i haven't either and he was like should we do a road trip and i was like we should do a road trip so we road tripped from iowa to the grand canyon and Vegas and that and then like through Utah and like back. So we spent like a week together in a car. Just the two trip. of you? Just the two of us. That's amazing. It was the best. <laughs> but we had packed for like camping. Yeah. Um and we like brought a tent. We were planning to just like sleep at rest stops. Did you say you were dating or you just only had known each other? We were dating. Okay, okay. We had just yeah, we had just met each other. We I means we'd known each other for three weeks. Okay. So we were dating, but not very long okay (laughs) (laughs) um and we had planned to like tent camp or like stay in the car like a rest Mm -hmm. area etc um and so we were doing that uh (laughs) then my dad was like uh can you not though i'll give you money if it's that like if you need money to stay in hotels i'll just pay for it like no we're having an experience like (laughs) what are you talking about anyway so we were coming from like the grand canyon to vegas to meet some friends that were there um on spring break (laughs) and we first like pulled into town and we were like oh what are we what's happening right now i'm like oh we're gonna stay at the tropicana which is where we stayed and it was like before they remodeled it so it was yeah super sketch and like very (laughs) old and we got up to our hotel room and we just like sat there and we're like what what do we do now like how do we eat things what we were so overwhelmed it's so confusing by like everything and it's like no, no place we had ever been it wasn't like oh i'm gonna go on yelp and like find a restaurant and yeah. then go sit down like that's not a thing no at all and so we tried doing that and then i was like well that's like 20 minutes away we shouldn't get in the car like aren't there i don't know so we just sat in our hotel for like two hours and we finally <laughs> called one of my friends and <laughs> who had been there and like often and we're like what where do we like eat like what do we do and she was like there's ha- so much. Have you to been do. outside? <laughs> <laughs> no. We were like, no, it's scary. <laughs> like, what oh. do you mean if we've been outside? Like, I, I don't want to go outside. Yeah, I so terrifying. I had a 
margarita before we got up to our room because our room wasn't we paid 30 extra dollars and then the room to have the room early and then the room wasn't ready and then we got up to the room and it was queen beds (laughs) and so me being the ultimate karen called and i was like this is our fucking anniversary trip and you like we just checked in a couple hours ago and it said king size bed so like what the fuck are you doing like, what like, is so this pissed. i was like this is our anniversary trip that's not our vibe like queen beds are not the vibe i said to her <laughs> did you get a king bed no oh my god um, no she said Goodness. that because we didn't get the king size bed they had upgraded us to the executive floor which oh, was like, well, in that case. I was like, what the fuck is executive about this? Because it's so shitty. But we did have a really good view and we were like, we could have gone, the, there was no king size beds left. So we could go the next day between 11 and 2 to talk to them and see if they could get us a king size bed. And ultimately we were like, whatever, like yeah. we're already unpacked. But um yeah, it was just really dirty and old, so gross, and we both were like just so. I'm glad. I'm glad we stayed an extra day just for the sake that we had time to like, n- like get used to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the day we got there, we were in bed by like seven, eight. Yes. I don't know, which was later here, but we like were so exhausted just from like the sights and the smells and the sounds everything was loud and smelly and bright and we were just like we laid in bed and watched avengers endgame twice (laughs) on a two and a half day trip we watched a four-hour movie twice (laughs) (laughs) i mean why not you know so we were like we don't need to leave we're good um our queen bedroom in the tropicana had mirrors on the ceiling amazing did you utilize them absolutely (laughs) (laughs) i mean we just started dating what do you think (laughs) spit everywhere actually we had a very chaste visit to to vegas with the mirrors on the ceiling (laughs) um we did uh eventually leave the room (laughs) and find food to eat that's good and when we met up with the friends they wanted to take us to a club that we could not really like we didn't like i said we brought camping like clothing yeah we did not have club clothing so we like dug in our suitcases and made the like best attempt to put on like club clothes and we got there and they were like you can't come here no they're they're not gonna let you in so (laughs) like I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you knew we were camping. So, <laughs> yay, Vegas. <laughs> oh, um, so glad to be home. <laughs> <laughs> so, you were listening to a podcast on your yeah. flight, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I started listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill on the way um, on the flight. Well, both flights, I guess, on the way there and on the way back. 
Um, and it's not new. I think it's from 2021. So it's been out for a bit. So I'm definitely behind a little bit. Somebody had recommended it to me and I had downloaded the first couple episodes because I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to care about this. And it's the podcast is by Christianity Today. So I super wasn't sure how I would feel like hearing like a Christian version of all of it. Um, and I honestly like knew nothing. I like remember Mark Driscoll's name. I knew he was an author. I think I followed him on Twitter. But besides that, like I didn't really know anything. Mars Hill's a super big church. That's about all I knew. So basic premise for people that don't know, Mars Hill's a really big church. Mark Driscoll's a really like now infamous pastor, very loud and fire and brimstoney and yelly and um but also like very passionate and easy to listen to anyway I on the way home today I was listening to one of the episodes I think the third episode because the first two are like very enlightening like kind of filling you in on everything right like here's the background yeah here's what happened and we're gonna dig into where and how this happened and the third episode, I, I don't know exactly like what the like plot, <laughs> because I've listened to so many episodes of it today now, but it was a lot of the people that were there from the beginning, like being interviewed and talking about like why they were there and why they stayed and how much like they felt like the Holy Spirit was present and all of these things were happening. And I don't know, they don't. I'm assuming because it's Christianity today that most of the people that they interviewed are probably still Christians, mm-hmm. but I don't know that. And so from a post-Christian perspective of mine, I, I could still relate though. I was like just listening to them be so sold. Mm-hmm. Like they were so 100% in on this thing. Like they felt like it was the best thing that they should be doing. And he sold this to him, to them. And I, previous, previous to like today, anytime I get like tightness in my chest, I just assume that I'm having some anxiety, Mm -hmm. which I suppose it is. And in therapy this week, we talked about like now my, we've, we go through different goals And we had to like re go through them this week. And I have had this goal of not being numb to feelings, Mm -hmm. which I didn't realize was on there. And she asked me like, how often are you numb to feelings? And I was like, Oh, I'm not. And she was like, wait, it's been a couple months since (laughs) since I have talked to her. And she was like, Oh, okay. So that's like been on my goals list for like years is to not be numb to feelings. And I was like, okay, I feel like I've conquered that because I'm very feely (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, and so the next goal was to be able to like actually identify what the feeling is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like going through this whole process today and I'm like having all this tightness in my chest, listening to them talk about just like the insane things that were happening in quotes for God and like the rapid growth, the rapid growth of the church and all this stuff. And I'm starting to feel really uncomfortable and really anxious. And I'm like, okay, I just need to take them. And, and then I start going through what we're going to talk about probably (laughs) of like 
trying to like nitpick and go through every little thought and like, why am I feeling this? What is happening? What, how can I not feel like this? And all the things starting to intellectualize. Yes. Yeah. And, and so then I finally stopped and I was like, Oh God, this is grief. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have ever fully had a moment where I thought like where I could just sit and grieve the fact that I spent years of my life so in on something Mm -hmm. that ended up being so wrong or at the very least not right for me and definitely not what you thought it was yeah and there's still so many moments like just like what they were saying there were so many moments that were so freeing and so good and I look back on my time in the church and in master's commission. And I still have a lot of really good memories of community and the things that I did there and the people that we helped. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I was like, Oh wow. Like I would never have, it's no wonder I never got to this because I'm constantly intellectualizing Mm -hmm. like why or how or what the feeling like what is going on why I'm anxious like this is anxiety and it was just like this rock of grief just stuck and I turned on some meditation music and I sat there and I was sitting in the in my seat and Adam's reading a book and and I look over and he's reading about the Boston Marathon bombing and I'm like cannot do that right now dude (laughs) so I'm just like I I think about like, okay, I could probably talk this out with him, but I like could not even articulate what I was feeling because it was so deep. And I just sat there and I just cry. I'm like facing Adam. So no one else on the plane can see me. And I'm just like crying all of that grief out. Um, And Adam just like keeps looking up and looking at me like, Hey. <laughs> like just sort of laughing like I know this is you like just processing and you're a mess and yeah but wow it was really intense and I am proud of myself for being able to like actually sit back and like sit sit with those feelings but like man I like now it like opens up to like so much more of those feelings that I I don't know Like, I'm going to have to go back and start over almost. Well, I mean, I don't think you have to seek them out. I think they'll find you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like now (laughs) I've opened the door and they're just going to, man. But yeah, I, um, yeah, it was quite the, quite the flight home. (laughs) (laughs) What, um, so what was resonating with you the most from what, what, people were saying like they were interviewing I'm assuming they're interviewing people and talking about their experiences so I think one of the little and maybe it's hard for me to say and maybe I'll have more clarity about this as we go on but or as I go on but I didn't really have a lot of red flags during Mm -hmm. that time I didn't I didn't have a lot of individual ideas or thoughts of my own. Like I started going to youth group in the 10th grade. Um, and that was the first time that I had really heard of any like sort of purpose or anything more than just like you go to school, you 
call a friend. I don't know. Like it was mm-hmm. just kind of pretty shallow living. So from the get right out of the gate. And I think I was there for like a month before I became a leader. So right out of the gate, I was like just totally dove into what their beliefs were. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't question anything. I didn't think about. And so I think some of the stuff that they were saying was like, it was talking about certain instances of things that Mark Driscoll did, behaviors or whatever, that even though those were happening, it's sort of like this victim blaming thing of like, well, why did you stay so long? Mm -hmm. And pretty much everyone had to say, like, there was so much good going on at the same time that it was just sort of buried the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like they would have so many people come up for salvation which now like totally is the cringiest thing in the world to me but at the time it was really important Mm -hmm. and so it was just like so relevant in my mind of like so many people have gone through this same experience and but I think I always do that of like kind of collectively like oh there's so many of us that have done this but then I sort of forget the I've been through this. Mm -hmm. And so there was like a moment where I just like couldn't ignore that feeling where it was like, oh, that was me. Mm -hmm. I was there and, and I so believed I didn't even stop to think like, this is fucked up. (laughs) When did you, you said you didn't notice like there were no red flags for you until mm-hmm. there were. Yeah. Like what was, what? It was years after I left. Why? And so I, so you left and then upon reflection, like separation gave you the space mm-hmm. to reflect on the experience in a different way. Yeah. And I don't know that I, I think that, so I, I left masters and I was still in the church for a little while longer And I think once I left masters and was back in the church and there was some things that they were doing that had been done to me in masters that I kind of carried on because there was like connections there that I was like, oh, like I'm not in masters anymore. So you can't treat me like that. So I left the church because I was like, I need to kind of sit back and think of what I think Mm -hmm. like be be with God and decide like what my own beliefs are and then the more time I spent away and just with myself and God at the time the more I distanced myself from that and just thought this isn't really right like this seems more damaging and then All the meanwhile, other people that had left masters that I had still been connected with had kind of been making those decisions for themselves. And I had been watching it and hearing about all these things that had apparently happened there that I didn't really catch Mm -hmm. that kind of caused me to reflect and be like, oh, stuff did happen to me. And then I went to therapy and in like this first or second session, she was like, so you know you are in a cult, right? And I was like, oh, we had sort of joked about that before, but I didn't really think or expect that it was, like, actual. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, it was, like, more of a journey of, like, oh, let's, like, kind of try to reflect on this. And and also having Henry having to decide, like, okay, like, I want a community for him, but I 
don't think that's what I want it to be. I don't want to send our family into a community and then have to bring them home and tell them, yeah, but we don't actually believe the same things. Mm -hmm. And then everything I, I use, I say fall apart, but it just, we moved on. I moved on. Mm -hmm. What was like the experience like of hearing other people like articulate those feelings out loud? I mean, I had, like, like I was saying earlier, like I had heard it before, like when I watched the Hillsong documentary, there was something about this, I think because there were show, there were like put, they had clips in there. Like I had listened to the, ugh, to go back, I had listened to the Hillsong documentary or watched it. And I like sort of had that thing of like, yes, we've all been through that. Mm-hmm. I think that this was different because. I was so, even while listening and in even the awful things he was saying, like I was still taken by like his voice alone. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that like, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Like I feel like he just had a way mm-hmm. and I don't have any previous, like I said, I, I didn't listen to Mark Driscoll or read any of his books or anything like that, but he Usually, like, a pastory voice is, like, very annoying to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just had this, like, sort of haunting, charismatic, like, soothing. But he's not soothing. Mm-hmm. Everything about, like, his voice. And it was just, like, what are those called? Like a lasso? <laughs> like a lasso. Yeah. <sighs> like, R- I could R- just right feel in. myself, like... Even not quite question myself, I wouldn't say, but it, but it was kind of like reaffirming, like, I understand how I got there Mm -hmm. because even though it wasn't Mark Driscoll, he wasn't a part of my immediate story. Like I understand, I heard those, like that rhetoric and the soothing voices and the Mm -hmm. emotional manipulation of the worship music and all the stuff sort of pulling you in no matter Mm -hmm. what was being said. Mm-hmm. even if it seemed a little off, which I don't think I would have noticed that anyway. Yeah. But but that, that I think that hit home because even while he was talking, I was like, man, I think I would listen to this guy forever. Mm-hmm. And you can, it sounds like you like noticed, you were able to notice what was happening mm-hmm. and then connect that to your experience. Mm-hmm. Like, noticing the feelings noticing the feelings Mm -hmm. and like identifying oh these were the feelings that I had yeah and then giving yourself the compassion of like this makes sense yeah like I I would if you if you heard that same person in that same situation where you didn't have this life experience that you have now, probably the same thing would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, cause I still feel, sh- I feel shaky. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I don't think that I, I mean, probably it's probably a subconscious fear that I have that I could fall back into something like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did think about it today, like while I was kind of grappling all of this, but when I probably should have stopped after like episode three and then I listened <laughs> to like three more episodes, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like almost not loving, but I was just like feeling how I was feeling. You know, I was like, I want to keep feeling like I need to keep listening to this so we can get, so me and my body can get through this. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking there's no way with the awareness that I have now that I could get caught up in something like that. Mm -hmm. 
because oh because i started thinking about this because they were talking in one of the episodes about leadership and he basically had no accountability Mm. and so i was like (laughs) this is so silly to think back on but just like two days ago i was like well i lead a play group do i need accountability I mean, what do I need accountability? Like, and then I'm start going through all intellectual. Like, what, what do I need accountability for? Do I need to talk to Ian Alyssa? Do I need to make a list of all the things to make sure to keep in check for my fucking play group? <laughs> <laughs> and and then I, eh, eh, I'm just like, yeah, okay, but I'm not like trying to lead people <laughs> to heaven or something that's completely different. Sure, and um, you're not trying to like, you're not trying to make money. Yeah. You are not trying to. You're not trying to do anything except for literally genuinely build community. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the goal in of itself is yeah. genuine. But the fear of that still like struck me at least yeah. for a time. Um, um, and also, sort of like- also just to like add, it's sort of the trope of if you're super worried about being a good parent, you're fine. You're a good parent. Like, <laughs> right. Let's move on. Like it's the people who aren't worried about it that yeah. are concerning. So Same with leadership. Like if you're worried that you're not in check as a leader like yeah okay well you're fine you're probably fine yeah and I I guess I also sort of like on the same token of leadership like is this what happens when people are passionate because I'm also reading radical acceptance right now Mm -hmm. and there's a little part in it that I read this weekend about that she talks about passion a little bit like is oh because a misconception of radical acceptance would be like do we just let bad things happen mm-hmm. like where does that drive go if you're just accepting which is not the point at all but she does talk about it and so I was like okay like then I don't know started having all these thoughts about like passionate I don't know passion being like inevitably failing <laughs> No, just all these like random like passion kind of overtaking reason yeah passion turning into power i guess okay Mm -hmm. um that's a good way to put it and how to avoid that which is a whole nother thing but i just basically this podcast has brought up a lot (laughs) a lot for me and um (laughs) so i still have a lot left of it if if anyone else listening has listened to it, I really want, I need to talk about it. Like I need somebody or, or not even about like the, I would love to talk about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I would love anybody to share who has been through or is currently going through the grief of something that you felt very strongly about Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of explaining that. Like I think solidarity, solidarity with people who, and it doesn't have to be religious. I know, I know a lot of people in those circles who have been in the same place, obviously where you put your literal entire mind, body and soul into this purpose. Mm -hmm. And then you walk away from it and are left with a big hole. Um, But I think that that can be for a lot of things like grieving something that you think is going to be forever or is going to be the best. It could be a marriage. It could be a job. It could be um, really anything. So my thing is academia. Mm -hmm. 
I, for as long as I can remember, always, like, school was really important to me. I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I felt like I knew I knew the rules. I knew what to expect. I knew how to be successful. I knew how to get praise. I knew how to do well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of structure around school, schedule-wise, too. Like, it's a system that makes made sense to me. And as I understood it from the outside of it, and not having had anyone like in my family be in higher education in terms of like like positions of power in higher education, like my mom has a college degree, she's a teacher. My dad is a business person. He didn't graduate high school, but he has a lot of really high level skills. He's a very like spatially minded, very good mechanically really good business person. So those are their skills, but like in terms of higher education, like that whole system, Mm -hmm. not really something that they knew anything about or could, or that I was even really around. So I like had this ideal of, well, clearly academia is this place where you get to do science and like reason prevails and everyone is just like genuinely there to know things and like genuinely there to find the truth wherever it may lie like very Thomas Jefferson like very like truth for the sake of truth like find the answers find the knowledge and that like, oh, so cool that all of these people are doing that as their life's work. And it's very like integritous and genuine. And I learned after coming into graduate school that just slowly over time, certainly not right away, but that there is like the mechanics of the day-to-day of being successful in academia are not necessarily the genuine skills of like pursuing knowledge and making the better argument and science for the sake of science and like quality work it there's a lot more to it that I sort of in a lot of ways had to discover on my own of like actually here are the indicators that you are being successful in academia you are publishing in journals well to publish in journals you conduct your research you submit your journal article and whether or not it's good it's going to be peer-reviewed and peer review is a process that technically is making sure that you have the highest quality product and nothing is published that's not of quality However, much like anything that's with peers or colleagues, Mm -hmm. like it's subject to the humanness of it as well, right? So, and most fields are very narrow, very specialized when you're getting to the point of publishing something. So there's a pool of like 25 people who are always reviewing your work. Mm -hmm. And it's like 
for me, my experience of it was it's a really high level of bullying. Yeah. You can tell after time, you can tell someone's writing style. You, you can tell, um, someone's writing style. You can tell their research topic that they are interested in. You can kind of combine these factors and eventually you just know who's writing your reading. Yeah. And I'd like to think that that doesn't come into play when people are peer reviewing, Mm -hmm. but I think even subconsciously sometimes it does. Yeah. Also, social science is like not really exact. And so there's a lot of subjectivity to a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot of bias in journals toward experimental design yeah, versus like actually conducting a, in a controlled experiment versus do or, and, or like a large, like large scale data analysis where you can sort of make assertions about like the general population and more of a bias, like a, not against like qualitative research, like interviews and observations and focus groups. There's not so much a bias against that method, but to like deliver that message from a study like that, you have to like write a book or like you need more space than a 30 page journal article. Like you just can't, there's just no way to do that justice in that small of a space. Mm -hmm. So the people that are successful at doing that, like, Many people have heard of Brene Brown, for example, mm-hmm. and her research, she's known, she she publishes articles as well, but she's known for her books, mm-hmm. which are, and really her, her um, speeches, her mm-hmm. talks that she's able to give. But in her books, she's able to talk through her research in like deep detail and yeah. use the examples and they're like, full full books of what she's getting from her research but to be a successful academic it doesn't matter if you write a book about your research you have to have peer peer reviewed journal articles published Hmm. the end that's what's valued anyway so there's a lot of like marketing and self-promotion and um like money seeking like searching out grants and things like that there's a lot that goes into being successful or like get, getting a job as a professor at a university that has very little to do with like the genuine pursuit of truth mm-hmm. and knowledge. And it took me a long time to like disentangle that from my like, but I still want to be this. I still yeah. want to do this. I still want this to exist. Like, are you sure? <laughs> because there are these people who have successfully done what I thought I wanted to do, like yeah. Brene, who the way she became who she is, is she was like, cool journal articles, but I'm going to self-publish this book because this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I'm going to write this book and I'll just sell it out of the back of my car because that's what I'm going to do. And like, she had this entrepreneurial attitude and approached it like, well, this is just what I'm going to do because it makes sense. And I was like, when I was in my program, like, you can't just do this. You can't just do that. Like (laughs) who, who I couldn't just do that. Like what are, but what are the rules though? Like, yeah this is school. So what are the rules? And the people who are actually successful at it are the people who are like, well, I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> what Which rules? Is, side note, true of 
all life. It's not just academia. Like yeah. that's a consistent thing in life. But anyway, I spent a lot of money on acupuncturists and therapists and um, yoga and other like exercise modes to just cope with the grief of that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't accept that other people like believe this exists even within it still like they Mm -hmm. believe that they're searching for the truth of knowledge and maybe that works for them but for me like the dissonance of what I was seeing versus what they were saying was happening was just like I could I was like I I can't I can no longer successfully function in this environment because I don't believe what you're saying yeah I don't see it in real life it's not what you're saying is not what's happening. Yeah. And I just couldn't, like, resolving that dissonance was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's totally resolved either, but I'm at least, I at least got to a place where I could grieve enough to, like, start to move forward and, like, leave, feel comfor- comfortable, make the decision to leave that research position mm-hmm. and start new work and just figure out myself I guess like figure out okay well this isn't real this is not a thing yeah so what do I want what am I going to do now yeah it's hard Hmm. yeah I um I'm I'm sticking to the part where you were talking about all the money you spent on yoga and acupuncture and all the and <laughs> therapy and all the things. Because um, I started thinking today how much great. Well, really, I started going down this big whole rabbit hole of I was like, is my am are my current health problems because of stored grief? Mm-hmm. And if I take care of that, what would that look like? And is there other grief that I'm carrying? Um, and I was thinking back to a friend of mine that passed away. It was, it was a decade ago now, almost nine or 10 years. But I do feel like I processed that. So, but then I started thinking about every grief I've ever had. Like if I've just been storing all grief. Um, and I thought back to that experience where I was like, just, I just let myself go whenever I needed to. Mm -hmm. And we were able to share stories about him and do all the things and process. Yeah. And so I sort of like can, I at least know I can take that experience and like compare it to any other grief ish, (laughs) like grieving experience to compare like, okay, that one I can see and be confident with myself that I did process that. Mm hmm. So now comparing all the other things, like, did I do what was necessary to process that? And a big one is movement Mm -hmm. and um, crying and Mm -hmm. talking and all the things. And talking is the one that I usually go for first. But I think in this situation, because I was putting a separation between me and what was actually happening, that it's like I thought I was doing it but I wasn't I think it's well I'll speak from my experience I had a hard time and I probably have some grief left to grieve in my 
situation that I'm talking about, but I didn't feel like it was a justifiable thing to grieve. Like I definitely didn't feel like I I was like, I don't understand why this is affecting me so much. Like I logically get that like, this is different now and that sucks, but now I'm going to find something else. The end. I just like, couldn't wrap my mind around like, my body needs more to get through this. Yeah. Like this, it, the, it doesn't matter what society says or what other people say or think is a justifiable thing to grieve. Yeah. If it feels that way to you or it was important to you or is like shedding a core belief or yeah. moving or a relationship or whatever it is, it doesn't matter it's justifiable if it affects you. Like it doesn't, there's no justification needed. It's a freaking feeling. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I still do that. Um, and I think it's a, um, a difficult thing to unlearn that grieving is a process. Grieving is messy grieving is not linear and it isn't going to fit in anyone else's box yeah for sure yeah i mean we kind of do a crappy job in western society and grieving in general yeah even for things that are like quote unquote quote justified yeah well yeah you get like a day off Mm -hmm. work (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) my mom died okay got two days yeah come on back in when you get that rearranged (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ um but i think that i mean we do that about everything just shoving down any which is sort of a part of the christian rhetoric too which i think is telling because that's sort of what our country was based off of of like mm-hmm. anything human anything flesh anything body shut it down mhm um like sort of burying the idea that your body is like the number one way to know what's going on in there mm-hmm. which is i suppose an easy way to start with the compassion part mm-hmm. of like, okay, this is a collective thing that we have all been taught for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like that's like so hard to unlearn that really how our bodies feel is really important. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can even feel the alarms in my head from past rhetoric even as I say that like like the little signals kind of yeah like starting I can't believe you just said that (laughs) like no that's just you talking yeah it is fucking me talking (laughs) this is my body she holds me and if she's getting tightness in her chest if she has high cholesterol if she has low back pain if she has a broken foot like whatever like She's telling you something, girl. Listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. So this conversation naturally moves in a different direction at this point. And we decided to split it into two episodes. 
because of that, this episode just sort of ends. Thanks for bearing with us as we navigate our transitions and the logistics of making a podcast while also having full schedules. It's not perfect, but we're learning as we go. Grief is an important topic and we would love to hear from you guys. If you'd like to share your experience with grief, you can email us at it's not perfect pod at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at it's not perfect pod. We love you and thank you for being here.